Consequence Podcast Network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. A lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. What podcast returns today? Barry Corder, Lord Taco, Brad Steiner, diving in to Guffball. We talked to the founder of GovBall and Sound on Sound, Tom Russell, also part of the beginnings of Bonnaroo. Year by year, step by step, we dive into it and more today on the What Podcast. It starts right now. Welcome back in. Nice to see you guys. How are you? Hello. Great. <laughs> Bundle of energy, these guys. <laughs> I mean, great. exploding through the screen. I don't know how we keep you. Uh, I don't know how we keep you settled. Really, to be honest with you, it's great. Man, we survived. What do we survive this time, Taco? More tornadoes and wind activity, and yeah, supposedly we have more uh, weather activity last night. A tornado, what, something. What really? What the hell happened? Just, yeah, I mean, we, a- I slept through it, and my wife woke up and was driving to work. She said, it looks like a war zone downtown, so. Taco, I- it's amazing that Barry didn't wake up. He lives in a basement, so he's constantly <laughs> safe at all times. Why Yes. Why would he ever know? When when they tell you go to the basement, he's already there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Done. Uh, so a couple couple things to do today. We'll talk to Tom Russell from GovBall. Uh, really interesting uh, movement with GovBall. It's uh, gone through a world of um, uh, 
you know, so they, they had their stumbles. Uh, some completely not their fault, uh, but they've uh, found some really solid footing, a really nice space for it to, uh, to grow and mature. So we'll talk to Tom Russell, the founder of GovBall and Sound on Sound today. But also, he was part of the original Superfly group who began Bonnaroo with AC Entertainment. We'll talk about that as well. But I want to start today, gentlemen, with tickets to Bonnaroo. We've been teasing this for weeks, uh, mainly because we had no idea what we were going to do. Now we finally come up with an idea, and it's very original. Uh, take it <laughs> away, guys. What, is, what do we have? As usual, once a deadline sort of hit up on us, it was like, uh, we probably ought to figure this out. Yeah, we let <laughs> it fly right by, and we'll figure out in two weeks. I think we have a good idea, though. Uh-huh. I think what we want to do is have people uh, either email, right? Did we agree on that, or we change our oh, mind? No, we didn't agree on that. We've well, already changed no, our I, mind. I, yeah. I, yeah, okay. I guess we go back to the drawing board now. <laughs> All right, talk we'll, to you in two weeks. Yeah, we'll uh, be back. Yeah. All right, so we're no, going to go with the voicemail only. I'm going voicemail, yeah, because we want to play the audio back on yeah. the show. Okay, I, All right, so, I, I like that. That's fine. Okay, yeah. so leave us a voicemail at a, at a number that we have set up, and that number, of course, because Taco started, is 420-6969. Uh, <laughs> You're not too far off, <laughs> but uh, if you want to win, I'll give you the actual number. Okay, let's do uh, the actual number. Okay, 423. 423. 423. 667. 667. 667. Don't you hate when people give you numbers right. like that? 42. 3 1. All right, hope you win. Good luck. <laughs> and okay. go. And the number is 423-667-7877. Okay. Uh, 423-667-7877. Did, does that mm-hmm. spell like a fun word? Can we get, is it Vinshmup? What is our, uh, what is no. our uh, word that we no, spell? It's, it spells R-U-S-S. <laughs> it's Stop blue-haired it. mom. That's what it spells. It spells R U S S seven eight seven seven six six seven is what is six six seven then? No 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 seven six six seven is six six seven is seven. I don't know. Is oh my god! It spells more Russ. M O R Russ. I love it. <laughs> or it could be Nop Russ. <laughs> it could be. Doesn't I love this. More Russ. Mad taco. We need to make it the mad taco. Mm, it can't be mad. It could be. Hmm. It could be. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It it, if it, it could it, be mop. It, it could be mop. It, it spells in it spells entirely had more Russ. <laughs> Give us a call at had more Russ. <laughs> Have you had wow. more rust? Well, well, you're going to up. today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> will it will it hold all these calls? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so what we're looking for in, in these voicemails is tell us just a fun Bonnaroo story of yours, and uh, we'll play them back on the show. Some of uh, the ones that we like, we'll play back on the show, and uh, you know, we want to hear your voice, we want to hear your stories, uh, even if we've talked to you before. Do it again. Uh, even if we've heard the story before, I bet I don't remember. So uh, I'd like to hear it again just in case. Yeah, or if you've never been, tell us why you want to go. Yeah. I like uh, that too. Yeah, why Why yeah, do you want to go? Yeah, yeah this is it. open to everyone. 
Uh, yeah, this is well. Anyone with a phone. It, yeah, you have to have a phone. Ooh, this man, antiquated limiting, technology of calling human it. beings. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I like it. So uh, just call. Yeah, had more call. rust today. <laughs> no e. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and that you guys uh, didn't like my suggestion of a fax contest. No, no, that went away. Um, it was a good idea. I mean, no. if you'd like to fax Taco, you're more than welcome to. He has a fax. You have a whole fax show. You know, you're like the only guy doing fax shows these yeah. days. Like, like a call and request TRL, but with faxes. But with faxes. Hey, uh, kids, are really, kids are really getting into faxes. They're really days. getting into facsimiles. They are. Yeah. Yeah, I got your so, I got your post the other day about your gaming thing, and I have no clue what the heck it's called, but I it know. showed up. And and there's some somebody gave you a star and it killed you, or something. I mean, it was like 20 minutes. I couldn't stop watching. Ta- Barry, we have gone <laughs> around <laughs> and around and around with Taco about this gaming thing, and he refuses to give us anything on this. I am so <laughs> confused on it. And every time we ask him a question, he looks at us like what. Yeah, but it's get, just, we're, we're playing games. Why don't you get it? Why don't you it's get just it? Me getting gave drunk me a star and I died. I know yeah. that, but it's so confusing watching what's happening on the screen, and like you just assume that we know what we're watching. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm watching. Okay, <laughs> thank you. I have no control over what's happening. Uh, well, <laughs> that's part fun. of the intrigue. Like, how did yeah. that happen? How does mm-hmm. how do other people get to take control of this? That's part of the fun of it. Yeah, Same. that's part of that's that's a feature. He was having this entire conversation with like people with half names. Thank you, it, for sending me a star. And now I'm dead. It. <laughs> like, what's going on? It's so confusing. I know. I've, I've tried. We've tried so hard. We have dedicated hours of this podcast to try and get him to tell us what in the world this Twitch game that is he plays on a regular basis. We still don't have any information. Well, look at some of these faxes I got. This is, uh, I think this is Emilio Estevez. Okay. Uh, it's a lot of ducks. A lot of ducks. Are you are you framing any of these and hanging them on the walls? Yeah, I'm going to wallpaper my whole room in yeah. faxes. I've got, I've got so many of these. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and what the... Pro- See, if only I could explain to you what in the world is going on, I don't even know. <laughs> If someone's listening to this, they're like, what in the shit are these kids talking about? About facsimiles? I don't know. I thought this was a Bonnaroo podcast. What's I, going on? Yeah. I know. <laughs> We're doing antiquated technology these days. Uh, rotary phone is next. I can't wait to tell you about a rotary phone. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys ever been down to a Nickelodeon? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to do 30 minutes of just beep, 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 yeah. beep, 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 we, beep, beep. We do antiquated technology. The Ruhams do it mid and vibes yeah lit oh i had to, i did i did since our last podcast i looked it up stan that's the word i had to look up what the hell is a stan i had to look it up barry had that's no a, idea that's a stan. super fan that's a super yeah. fan I, I know now but i had to, i even forgot i think that's to. from wait an m M&M. it's from it's an m M&M. M&M song it's the m M&M. yeah. song wait a second yeah. barry i told you what this meant and you still didn't believe me you had to go look it up i believed you i just didn't know it had become like actual part of the nomenclature so i had to look it up so yeah there goes the old man with his nomenclature word nomenclature yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kids these days call it clature okay <laughs> the noms yeah. the noms the noms it's part of the, the old noms. man and his noms <laughs> barry i'll fax you some nomenclature here in a little bit okay <laughs> i'll send over some literature for you to look at 
fax, yeah, fax it over. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you my digits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the old man with his noms. <laughs> got some cray noms. I got some cray, cray noms are coming in on the old fax. Cray noms coming in on the fax. Make sure you light them up. <laughs> or, or screw you, or screw you, Parker and Ham too. We've got our own nommies. So we, we don't need your nami. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, check back in here weekly for the noms. <laughs> <laughs> Who's noms? Who's noms? Who's noms? Are we gonna find? <laughs> Who's somebody come get the noms? <laughs> Yo, it's more Russ here with your weekly noms. <laughs> <laughs> that is so stupid. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is so stupid. Uh, I was really hoping, I was looking at my phone begging that instead of 667 spelling more, it spelled nom. Um, oh, not, oh, God, that would have been so poetic. God, how I wish it said nom. <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, uh, sorry, Tom. Uh, If anyone is actually listening to this for something of interest, I am so sorry. Uh, Sorry you had to get this one. No kidding. (laughs) All right. So we got that's the giveaway. I don't know why you hashtag nommies. Yeah. Send Um, us your noms. Send us your noms. Oh, man. Just all the noms. Uh, You know what? Let's, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a break here, and we're going to come back and explain to you today's guest on the What Podcast. (laughs) Hang tight. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back into the What Podcast, hashtag Namis. We've got uh, a very uh, good guest, a very exciting guest today. I, I sort of um, 
I don't know, Barry, when you said who we had, it, it nothing was connecting with me until we like we started talking about it in depth. What Tom has been a part of was originally uh, Superfly, which was one half of the organizational body that brought us Bonnaroo, Superfly and AC Entertainment. He was part of that original group and then broke off to, to start his own shop. And now he is uh, the founder of GovBall and Sound on Sound. Now, uh, GovBall has had, you know, their their stumbles uh, over their even through 16 years, what, 15, 16 years they've been doing GovBall, but yet they still have, uh, they keep running into to things like bad weather or um, location problems. Now they finally have their in-the-ground uh, in location. They're set uh, in a really good spot in Queens. And we sort of dive into that with Tom, uh, start with the history of Bonnaroo, and go from there. I, I'm fascinated by this. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I had sort of focused on the fact, because my, my takeaway after talking to him was sort of how confident he was. Um, you know, he like you said, he didn't. He wasn't originally with Superfly. He came in a couple of years later, but he was there. I know. I keep saying that, don't I? Yeah. I know, but he was there pretty that. close to the beginning. No, no, it's fine. He was there early enough uh, to to learn a lot. And what I was fascinated with was fascinated by was this sort of confidence that he had. Like, uh, yeah, I, you know, I learned enough, and I'm going to go to New York. The I'm going to go to New York yeah. of all places, and I'm going to start a festival. Yeah, and uh, and he's done it, and he never. I mean, you you kind of hear it in his voice, in my opinion. He's never wavered from that. In addition to what you mentioned, and I I had sort of forgotten all of that. Yeah, he's dealt with weather, um, pandemics, location. I mean, pretty much everything you can think of to throw at somebody, he's had to deal with it, and he doesn't seem at all phased by it yeah you know. i mean that's a man that he he built a strong brand yeah. and he really believes in yeah. it um and i love that i i love the audacity uh, of the whole thing um and like you said the confidence that he has and in, in not just his abilities but his team's abilities his brand's abilities and the other part that is so interesting about govball i mean govball is a powerhouse and you know they've had their location struggles but now that they've got that set and ready to go uh, they're doing all of this on their own. You know, yeah. we're they're not like use the, they're not bought by Live Nation and they're not owned right. by one of the right. big ones. It's just um, they just have one guy essentially booking the whole thing. That is uh, still to me very impressive. That's right. But I'll ask both of you, what's been the key? I mean, I think we hit it at the end, and I, I'm, it's it's that user experience. That I mean, we hit that right at the end toward the end. He he mentions. You got to approach it like what would you want if you were the ticket buyer? Mm. Yeah. That seems to be the key, right? That's what we've talked about the entire time we've been doing this show. So And and I and I'll say the the chats that we think have been the best and the ones that we keep coming back to are the ones like this where, you know, talking to Ashley Caps and talking to uh, you know, lawyers and it, it giving you how these things are built and ha- and pulling the, the curtain back. So that you can understand what goes into these kinds of experiences, and uh, this is as broad and as wide ranging of a conversation as we've had with uh, somebody on his level, which I find I found to be so fantastic. We could have just kept going. Yeah, uh, he was he was tremendous with his time. I even had to duck out for a second and come back, and we were still talking. Uh, <laughs> that that just goes to show you. I mean, not only is this a 
a good dude, but um, he's got a fantastic brand. He knows what he's doing with it and um, knows his stuff. So uh, before uh, we get, do you want anything before we get into it? Is there anything else we need to? Uh... No, I think those were the three. Okay. I, I, I think that was it. Uh, his confidence, um, the over, the things he's had to overcome and, and the reasons why I think it works, which is yeah. basically make sure the fan is happy, you know, That's uh, the right. fan and the musician. So it's what we've been preaching this whole time so can't okay. wait to hear it all right uh nami's unite let's do it tom <laughs> russell on the what podcast welcome in tom how are you buddy i'm good thanks for having me how about that fish uh sweatshirt you're wearing are you a fish head are you a fisher um, i are you i am why I'm don't they call their people fishermen yeah i was about to say <laughs> do they call, do they say that it's too biblical um, it's a- too biblical <laughs> <laughs> That and the you know the Grateful Dead Deadhead. It's just um, the parallels are too too obvious. They had to go that route. Are you a big <laughs> fish guy? Um, I am a big fish guy. Are you? Nice. Um, I uh, I I love Ari, Ari from SiriusXM. I don't know if you know him. He runs sort of the fish channel. He runs sort of the fish channel and sort of the uh, Dave Matthews channel. And I swear to God, I've never really been into that sort of realm. Until I met Ari, who this guy, Barry, loves this so much and has dedicated his entire life and career to uh, this. And he's made a, he's literally runs these channels for Sirius XM. He almost has willed me to like these things. I've, I've almost been sold because of his just over the top love for it. There's not much in between, is there? You're either all in or, really or you're not. Yeah, we it's did. Uh, we had Bob Weir here a couple weeks ago, and I went, and uh, that crowd obviously is very similar. Some girl sat next to me, and she said, "Are you a Dead fan?" And I was like, mm. and she looked at me like, you know, I had horns growing out of. I said, "I respect it. I appreciate the history. I'm loving the show, but I'm not that guy that's gonna, you know, sell everything and go on the road for yeah. three months and follow him." I hate to make this about what all we are wearing, but Barry, I appreciate you looking like sprockets today. This is uh, me. There's a. <laughs> <laughs> this is as hip as I get, man. <laughs> Tom, how's life? Tom, how's life? You, you, it feels like you've got history surrounding uh, you at all times. You got a, a pretty rich history around you, don't you? Look at the, look at those things on the wall. Those are, uh, oh, you got a yes, whole museum um, of, of, of life. These things, uh, uh-huh. in, indeed, uh, got a bunch of GovBall posters, uh, obviously, because I'm the GovBall guy. And then I kind of cut my teeth in this industry working for Superfly back in the day on Bonnaroo. So uh, got Bonnaroo 2006 was my first real year as a full-time super flyer so that's why i have that one behind me and then 2007 is my second uh those also just happen to be my favorite bonnaroo posters so um i put them up here in the office and um you know just uh, brings me back to to the good old days when you were at Superfly at that time were you in new orleans or were you here so i started interning for Superfly while i was a college student um at tulane and um my college senior year got cut short by uh, Katrina. So Katrina happened, city shut down. Um, I came back to New York City where I'm born and raised um, and everybody at Superfly pretty much evacuated to, to New York. 
So I was interning for them at that time. I kept interning for them uh, in New York, and then they offered me a job, um, but they didn't realize that I still had a semester of college left. So I had to make a choice then. Do I um, not finish up college, not finish my last semester and join Superfly, uh, the company I always wanted to work for? Um, or do I say, hold on a sec, Superfly, I'll come back to you after I finish college. Um, and Superfly won out, much to my yeah. parents' chagrin. Yeah. Um, and I started working from them full-time from that point on. Can I, I did go? the exact same thing with radio, man. As soon as I got the radio job, I looked at college. I was like, why am I going to school for this job that I just got? No, thanks. Bye-bye. Um, can I let me bring this kind of around circle because I want to uh, – I think this is so fascinating because, Tom, my, my daughter got an internship with AC in uh, – what would it have been? 15, 14, whatever. She was a freshman uh, in Knoxville. And she said, I'm going to get that internship. And I said, no, you won't, you know, but good luck. Go try. I mean, that's for seniors, juniors and seniors, but she got it and got hired. And uh, unlike you, she did her four and a half years and realized they don't pay much, you know, unless you're the top <laughs> dog, they don't pay much. And so, she ended up moving on and uh, doing very well, but she loves all those guys, and they were great to her. But you took that internship, turned it into a job, and then created your own festival, which we're going to get into. Um, but I just want to let everybody kind of know the, you know, the, I don't know, the backstory in all of this. It, it can go a whole lot of different ways, can it? It certainly can. Um and I was always candid with those guys that, you know, uh, as a New Yorker born and raised, I always wanted to, I always wondered why New York City didn't have a festival of its own. Um, of course, at that time, that's when the festival culture was really starting to, to build and grow. And um, when I was at Superfly, it was when they started Outside Lands. So I was involved in that process. Um, but I really learned everything I could about how to produce music festivals from point A to point Z. And once I got to a point where I felt like I knew everything, um, or I knew most things, and once I got to a point where I wasn't involved with those closed door conversations that I felt like I should have been, because I was so intimately involved with the planning, but I wasn't involved with budget decisions, um, or you know whatever goes on in closed door partner conversations, um, I decided, you know what, um, I'm 26 years old, Maybe now is the time to, to strike out uh, or to, to start out on my own and, and try my own thing. If I fail, I could probably get a job with Superfly again. Um, and if it works, then, uh, you know, it works and, and off off we go. Tom, so, the beauty um, of being 26. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. that's what 26 yeah. is for, is to make decisions like that that could really go one way or the other. Um, what, what I love about that, though, is you were probably like a sponge taking in every possible thing that you could get from that experience. I wonder if there was one part of it in particular that you liked specifically that you're like, whoa, I think, I think this is, this is, this is the thing for me. Is it's there one good, thing in particular that sent you over? It's a good question. And, and again, let me jump on Brad's question. Cause that was the thing that, uh, my daughter again, uh, being able to go to shows, being able to go to festivals, it's, you know, it's, it's the same thing with me and my gig. And I think Brad and radio and, and, and Russ, I don't know what drew you to this podcasting stuff besides Brad's hair, but, uh, um, 
you know, it, it's my, taken this long. We've been 10 minutes in and I haven't gotten a <laughs> hair reference. I'm really pretty upset about that. But, but yeah, that, it's a great question because it's, it's an allure, right? You get to hang out, you get to go to shows and all that. Um, so to, 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 let me go ahead and let you answer Brad's question, but, um, it is part of the, it's part of the draw to a lot of people. Totally get it. And, um, look, I went to the first Bonnaroo as a fan, right? I was there. I saw the, the magic and the energy. Um, it was such an unbelievable, unforgettable experience. And at that moment, I, I decided that I need to do this for my career, right? Obviously, you know, I want to be successful. I want to make money, but um, I want to love what I do. And when I went to that first Bonnaroo, I said, this is it for me. Uh, I got to go into this industry. And then it just so happened that I was going to college in the same city as the producers of Bonnaroo. And um, when you are on the planning side, and you, you know, work all year round on creating a unique experience that will truly never be replicated again. And then you see it all come together and you see it in real life and you see that that magic and that energy that you were, um, you know, fully a part of creating. There's nothing quite like that. And the events industry is um, is unbelievable uh, for that reason. Right. You work so hard on this event and it comes to life and you're just you're just taken aback. When, when you're 20, when you're 26, uh, to Barry's point, you can get lost in sort of the magic and the, the fun part of it. But, you know, it takes somebody to run the books and it takes somebody to uh, organize the, the, the guys laying the, the wire and building the stage. Uh, what part of it did you like the most at 26? So at Superfly, I was working with Rick Farman and Steve Fiener. So Rick was one of the partners of Superfly. He oversaw um, operations, project management, and Fiener was the festival director, um, kind of overseeing the whole thing. Um, for me, my favorite part um, of, of, you know, working on Bonnaroo and, and working on GovBall um, at 26 was just um, having your hands on everything, right? Being able to, to look at the entire budget and know exactly what was happening with each and every line item and, and knowing how the decisions that were being made we're impacting the overall show and experience. So to, to be able to sit on that, you know, thousand foot level and really understand all the different pieces and how they all come together and to be a part of the, the evolution and creation of a brand new experience, a brand new brand in your hometown, right? To be a part of that creative process was super special to me because when I joined Superfly, they had already created Bonnaroo, right? That magic was already there and they were just growing it and enhancing it. And, you know, for me, when I started Founders and GovBall, everything was just brand, brand new. And how do you create something super unique um, and influential in a market that is just so tough, where so many festivals have come and, uh, and not been able to make it, and in a market where people just have so much to choose from. Um, so that was just a, such a special well, experience well, that keeps I'm- me going to this day. So I love the idea of, um, because I feel like we have, uh, weirdly, and have so much in common. I mean, this is exactly what gets me going, is the second that I get to create something and then watch it birth and, and, and then grow. But what you did was something that was probably filled with a tremendous amount of fear, too. Because like you just alluded to, so many, the graveyard of, of festivals that came through this city and this state, very long. So how did you like overcome that level of, I don't know, discomfort? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, well, I can tell you that as a promoter, you will always have that fear and that discomfort uh -huh. in the back of your head because with live events, you just never know what's going to happen, whether that's ticket sales or weather or what have you. Um, how did I overcome it? I think it was just a driver for me, right? Nothing um, inspires and gets people to move uh, more than fear, right? I think it was mm -hmm. Machiavelli who said that, right, in The Prince. Um, it was that fear that, um, you know, if I strike out and this thing fails, then I'll be in a bunch of debt and maybe my reputation will be, um, you know, damaged. And what am I going to go from there? So I just it, it, I made it a mission that I could not fail. How much I of made that it a mission that I had mm. to do it? How much mm. of that was your own personality and who you are versus the fact that you were, you know, you got to watch this particular event. I mean, Bonnaroo has become, you know, one of, if not the biggest festival in the country. Was it, did you leave them thinking, I know how to do the biggest festival in the country. I've, I've been inside, you know, many of those meetings and I feel confident. Um, and I don't know, you you know, it's hard to ask somebody to go back and look at their own life, but you were 26, which as Brad said is, you know, you're, whether you know it or not, you're full of naivete and chutzpah and all that. So how much of it was just your own personal chutzpah versus, um, you know, you felt like you trained under a, a pretty good, uh, situation. I think it was a mixture of both. I mean, what I saw at Superfly was that every festival and event and market's different, right? While I was at Superfly, we had, you know, started Outside Lands. We were working on Bonnaroo. Um, there was Vegoose that came and went. Oh, I remember Vegoose. Um, I totally forgot about Vegoose. There was a number of other projects that never came to fruition for whatever reason, right? Um, you know, ticket sales or market or just couldn't couldn't come together. Um, and every market was just different and had its own set of challenges. And for me as a New Yorker, you know, I was so, it just didn't make sense to me. Why doesn't New York City, the best city in the world, in my opinion, and the most, the, the entertainment capital of the world, why doesn't that have a major music festival that New Yorkers could call their own, that, uh, that had a brand that was all about the city? And, you know, had an art program, a food and beverage program, a talent lineup that really spoke to the taste of New Yorkers. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, so I said, you know what? Let's see if this can work. And um, I think that fear of failure just drove us to, um, to make good decisions. Um, and it was a, a, a good time to do it, too. The timing really lined up for us. As in this is, has nothing to do with anything, but I will say my bet, they're a little small, small part of reason why they didn't have one or New York didn't have one is, and as a radio guy who came to um, work and run partly Howard Stern's old rock station, the reason why I moved here was there was never a real powerhouse rock station in this city um, that was outside of Howard Stern. That's, you know, a big problem, um, especially for city festivals. So when you, when you birthed GovBall, um, what was it then as opposed to how it is now? Uh, when you write out the mission statement then, is it still true to this day? Uh, I think it is, right? The, the idea behind GovBall was um, a multi-stage, multi-genre music and arts festival um, that was, um, you know, such a unique, good experience that New Yorkers couldn't really say no to it. And there was nothing else quite like it out there. Um, I think as years have gone by, there have certainly been other events that have popped up that are somewhat similar in nature, 
um, but the GovBall experience and and vibe is you know truly unlike anything else out there. Um, obviously, the the music and the entertainment and the festival culture has evolved, right? There's more festivals out there than ever. There's a lot more genre focused events. Um, but you know, I just think that when you look at the long term, it's these contemporary multi-genre events that will forever live on because not one, not every person only likes one genre, right? You know, you look at the vast majority of people on their phone, they have so many different types of music on their phone. And our primary demo is, you know, 18 to 35. And, um, you know, the, the tastes really span the, um, it, it really spans, right? Whether you like pop or hip hop or rock or Americana, um, EDM or everything in between. So I think it's I think it's the same um, as it was then, and um, you know I think our challenge over the years has been um, finding a venue right that can really let the festival come to life, because we started on a small island, and then moved to a bigger island, and then moved to a parking lot, and now finally we are in a proper city park that the festival can really come to life in. And, because, and, and explain, explain Flushing Meadows Park for those who, who don't know. All right, so Flushing Meadows Corona Park is one of the biggest parks in all of New York City. It was created many, many decades ago by a guy by the name of um, Franklin Olmsted. Also um, did Central he, Park and, by the way, City Park in New Orleans. There you go, there you go. And, and by um, the way, he, Prospect Park too, right near my I house. Mean, he, the chances of him designing the parks that you know of in your head. Good point. Um, Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Good he was, he was you can very name a park and time. he probably did it. Yes. You're probably right. He was very, very in demand at that time. Um, so he created this park. This park was created um, with events in mind and it really came together uh, because of the world's fair. Um, it was the location of the world's fair uh, twice. And they designed this park with, getting a crap load of people there easily and getting them out easily. And that's why you, uh, you see that it's located right next to the Long Island Railroad and the 7 train. Um, it has uh, just a, an amazing amount of facilities there and areas that, um, that you can really bring to life with events. But the city of New York hasn't really been open to doing private events there. I think um, people are are hesitant to privatize public parks. And this is something you see across the country. So uh, we've been trying for a really, really long time to get into a park, period, right? We tried for Prospect Park. We've tried for Central Park. We've tried for um, Van Cortlandt Park. We tried really hard for Van Cortlandt Park. Um, and then uh, we came back to Flushing Meadows because we were in, uh, we were across the street, basically at City Field. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just kept trying. and. Um, you know, eventually the, you know, there was some turnover in city government. Uh, we had a new mayor and some other people in, in, um, in offices that weren't before. And it seemed like there was a general appetite to, to start doing bigger, more trustworthy events in the park because the park needs money. Right. And the area could use the economic impact. And, um, the stars kind of aligned and, uh, because we have such a great relationship with the city and have built up a good reputation, uh, they, you know, they trusted us to, to really bring the first big event there since the World's Fair. I have a, I have a follow-up to this in a second, mainly just because I know the area so much because I, I love, I'm a giant Mets fan. But do you, you, I'm assuming this is your forever home. 
if this has been the biggest challenge that you guys have faced, you uh, want a space that you can probably live, grow, and thrive in. This feels like it, right? Absolutely. We're going into this year as um, you know, the first year of many with Flushing Meadows as as our home. Um, it is so easy to get 50,000 people there and so, so easy to get 50,000 people out. It's such a unique layout and setup. And it's truly, it's, it's a park that's not really surrounded by a lot of residential, right? The area that the festival being within the park is not surrounded by residential at all. And it's just, in that sense, it's perfect. Because you look mm -hmm. at Prospect Park, Central Park, it's all surrounded by residential, mind you, very wealthy residential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and this one's just different. So it's it's truly, you know, the, the only park in the city that was perfect for events from an egress, ingress, safety perspective. Um, and there's just no negative impact to people that live around there. So it just makes sense. And uh, we truly look at it as our long-term home and are, are psyched to, to make it work in year one. And the reason, sorry, Barry, I hate to interrupt, but the reason my follow-up is the reason why I asked, you know, how comfortable you are of it being your festival or your forever home is because just north of you, I mean, maybe, I don't know, a five, 10 minute walk is City Field. And if Steve Cohen, the new owner of the Mets, has his way, that entire area of Queens is going to explode because before it was just a bunch of tire shops. And, yeah. and Steve, who is just, I mean, the guy's just got just bukus of money. So he's trying to gobble up all that space and turn it into what the Braves have down at the Battery in Atlanta. And if that happens, the spillover happens into the park very, very easily because it's a very short short uh, distance away. No, I'm, I'm a massive Mets fan, so I will never talk badly about uh, our Lord and Savior right now. <laughs> um, but All, pra all uh, praise Steve Cohen, yes. I think um, I think what he's doing out there is uh, is amazing, and, and here's why. There's a lot of people in the city of New York and in Westchester who don't know Flushing Meadows Corona Park and who don't really know Queens, right? They know Queens is where the Mets play and right. the U.S. opens there, and that's it, right? That's right? Nobody's going to that part of Queens for anything other than city, city Field or that's the right. U.S. Open. And then the people that use the park are predominantly the people that – or the airport, exactly. Yeah. The people that use the park, and I think it's a heavily underutilized park, um, you know, are like neighborhood soccer groups. Um, so I think what he's doing is great because it's going to draw a lot more attention to the area and yeah. people will become more familiar with the park in the area. And that's what you want, right? You can, you know, if GovBall was in Central Park every year, I think we'd sell out immediately on the on sale because it's such yeah. a well-known, incredible venue that people have just become familiar with for so long. Um, and with Flushing Meadows, people are still learning about it and, and getting to, to know it. And with what he's doing, driving more businesses out there and more entertainment, uh, more residential, um, I think it's just going to heighten the, um, the spotlight on Queens mm -hmm. and, and Flushing mm -hmm. Meadows, uh, which is only good for, for events that take place there. Mm -hmm. I just take you back a little bit and it all ties into the same thing we've had uh, rick on the show we've had ashley we've had jeff quayar we've had ken weinstein all these are all people who really helped bonnaroo My boys yeah yeah exactly uh you um we just had Lindsay uh from merle fast and the one thing that ties these people together to me and, and i'm gonna ask you i mean there's there's obviously the business part of putting on something like this. Um, there's the logistics part of it. Um, there's 
But the thing that seems to work, uh, and and Brad and and Russ, tell me if you disagree. But the thing that seems to tie the ones together that last is that the people putting it on have a passion, not just for making money or putting on a great lineup. They have a passion for asking the hard question, which is, if I was the ticket buyer, what would I want? You know, uh, you're, you're obviously passionate about putting it on in New York and in this particular place. Um, am I missing that? I mean, is that something you learned from working with Superfly and, and Bonnaroo? Because in my mind, that's something that we've talked about for six years. I've said for years, I never felt like Bonnaroo had their, their hand in my wallet until maybe a couple years ago, maybe, um, you know, and that's a big thing. It's a, that's a very unique, uh, thing and it's hard to do in my opinion. Uh, is that something that, uh, you know, you learned or discovered or observed, uh, watching that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, back when in, the, in my Superfly days, everybody during all of our planning meetings, which was Rick and Ashley and, and the Superfly and AC Entertainment camps. I mean, everybody just had such an incredible passion for for the Bonnaroo brand and the Bonnaroo experience and the magic that's created there. I mean, everything was so personal to everyone and in a good way. And everybody rallied around that. That really brought people together. And that's why the, those folks really were, um, you know, it was it was really like a family. And, you know, that was so inspiring to me and to, to be able to see that passion and how it resulted in successful events, not just financially, but just operationally and really experientially was just a, a model that I knew we had to we had to follow. So I, I agree with you that event producers have to be absolutely passionate about the about the product that they're selling and they have to believe in it and they have to put themselves in the consumer's um, in consumer shoes, which is hard to do when consumers change over time, right? I so, mean, the, you look at Bonnaroo, that's really evolved over the years. And that's, a, that's you know, it's been challenging to evolve with the, the consumers and, and how things have changed. And for GovBall, it's no different. So it basically starts for me, brand values into brand identity, then into user experience. Um, how difficult have those things been for you to hit since you've had to rearrange the location so often in the last few years? Do you feel like you've hit those marks even through the difficulties? Um, it is hard. Uh, it's been hard. We've had a, <laughs> we've had a ridiculous run of bad luck over the 12 years that we've had, right? Um, our first big year for all intents and purposes is 2013 where we had, um, an incredible lineup with Kanye West was the headliner and he's, you know, he's a much different performer in person back then than he is now. Um, but, you know, we had Kings of Leon, Guns N' Roses, Kanye West, Kendrick Lamar, the XX. I mean, it was a, a banging lineup. And the first day of that year, we got a tropical storm. And then the rest of the weekend was just, it was just mud everywhere. They called it mud ball. And, um, you know, fast forward to 2016, we had a lightning storm that uh, made us cancel one of the days. Fast forward to 2019, uh, we had to delay gates and then evacuate because of weather. Um, then we had the pandemic and we had to move venues. Um, so, you know, we certainly are not shy 
um, or are not uh, unfamiliar with um, with bobbing and weaving with punches. And you know, I think how we come out of that uh, is a testament to just our passion for, for what we do. Um, the biggest challenge has always been weather and the venue, right? Because how weather impacts the venue and the experiences, it's, that's just such a key part of the, the whole thing. Um, and I think this year being in a, in a venue in a park that um, can deal with weather easily and can really enhance the experience, uh, we'll be able to show folks uh, really the magic, uh, the true magic of what, what GovBall is. Well, that's where I was going to go. I imagine that the second that you found, find this home that you've been needing for so long, it allows you to finally expand your wings and um, utilize those user experience tools that you haven't been able to, to, to play with the last couple of years, I imagine. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you can't create a magical experience in a parking lot. You can't create a magical experience on an island that is really only accessible by one road and also has a waste treatment plan on it. <laughs> um, you can't have a magical, huge, multi-stage festival on an island that's only accessible by boat. But you can do, you can have this magical, amazing experience in a large park that is serviced by public transportation. And that's what we have now. I mean, um, you, you sound buoyed by all this. You sound like you've got a, like a second life. You, you talked earlier about birthing a, a, a brand and then seeing it to its fruition. It sounds like it's starting, it's a whole birthing process over again. 100%. 100%. I think the, the changes and the improvements to the experience are only just beginning. We're only just going to scratch the surface this year as we start to understand the park and how we can play off of the park and all of its cool um, intricacies and quirkiness to, to make that experience just just unforgettable. Along, so it's a super exciting time to, uh, to be on this side. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Um, along those lines, okay. I, I'm guessing with your connections, actually, that reminds me of another question I'll come back to, but I'm guessing you still talk to the folks that run all these other festivals. Um, I, we were just saying off the air before you came on, that last year and the years prior, of course, with the pandemic, felt like, um, in fact, on our show last year, we, I said it felt like a transition year. And this year feels like festivals sort of got back on the track, if if that's fair. The, the two or three that are here locally in Chattanooga are selling very, very well. The lineups are great. They seem focused. Seems like they got a, a handle uh, Bonnaroo is just up the road, so that would be four in our area. Sounds like you guys are happy where you are. Um, do you have sort of an industry observation? Does it feel like what I'm saying, that uh, people running these events got a better handle on their mission, why they're doing it, how they're doing it, all of that, or does it just seem like dumb luck that you know last I, year was weird I, and now this year seems to be working? I think the talent pool that was available this year is a huge part of it. Um, I mean, it was common. It was a common conversation last year that the talent pool available to these festivals were just not as desirable as the promoters and talent buyers wanted them to be. You know, you look at all these festivals this year, and the lineups are all awesome. But you know, they also have headliners that are um, that are awesome and are touring and available for festivals. Uh, you have, you know, artists that are on the second, third, fourth, fifth line that just weren't available last year. 
And I think that's why you see a bunch of these events doing well. Um, I also think you see a little bit of a resurgence of, um, you know, some uh, Americana and Fokiaks that are uh, just doing really, really good numbers. And um, but I think it really just comes down to the talent pool being available for these these events and just being um, just just better. Right. All right. Along along those lines, I got to ask, did you try to get Wayne Newton? And if if not, how come? <laughs> we've, ne- <laughs> we've, we've never tried to get Wayne Newton, unfortunately. I mean, I, you couldn't, I'm going to uh, recommend head, it. My head, my head spun around when I saw that be- bourbon and Beyond line. I couldn't believe it. Um, I, I've, I've got I've got to uh, I, I hate to do this to you guys. But I've got to take a phone call. Um, so let me step away for two minutes and I'll be right back. I'm so sorry. It's an emergency, but I've really got to take this. Barry, go ahead. That's all right. right I was uh, I was I forgot where I was getting my other question, but it uh, it had to do with uh lineups i'm sure um and and you answered it i'm curious about that uh whether it's you know we we like to think both as a fan i mean we do this show as a fan but we also like to do the inside baseball stuff so part of us likes to think you guys are geniuses and know exactly what you're doing and then part of us after talking to a lot of people say like you said it has to do with timing it has to do with so many different things that uh you know, as a as a non inside person, as a fan, you just think, why don't they put together this list of a hundred people on the lineup, and it'll be great. You know, they don't understand all the different things that go into it. Uh, and you mentioned some of that earlier with things like weather. I mean, you can't. There's nothing you can do about that. But as as we learned, and Russ and I especially, with our festival last year, Moon River, the second day got rained out how you react to that goes a long way with building that trust with your fans, right? Absolutely. How you respond to those shitty situations is how you build those long-term ambassadors. Um, Whether that's just clear and concise communication or approaching a unique emergency or unique situation in the right way, um, that really will make you stand out um, to people because people just want the information and they want it quickly and they want to be safe. Um, and you know how you interact with your consumers is just one of the most important things about, about what we do. Um, and going back to what you said on talent, I think what makes GovBall rather unique, and I think it's, it's harder for us than it is for maybe anyone in the country, is that we are in New York City. Mm. We are in every single band's that's a great Best, point. I didn't most think, important market. I didn't think about that. Right? They're playing so, there all the time. <laughs> yeah. They're they're playing here all the time, and it's a big deal for people, right? People want that own, their own spotlight and headline at the Garden or Barclays or Webster Hall or Terminal Five or Irving Plaza or wherever. For them to forego those plays to play a festival, you have to pay up. Number one, and number two, you really have to um, to nail it on timing. And to to sell it as a, a great opportunity for people, um, it's every band's best market. So as a result, it's uh, they're more expensive for us than they would be for others. So our budget is very very high, um, and we also know that in a city like New York, you have to offer people something that they purely can't say no to. And the result is just a high talent budget, and um, when things come together, it's um, always a relief. 
That reminds me of the question I was going to ask. Um, so you're coming out of Bonnaroo, Superfly, you, where you've interned and worked. Um, you're, I assume you've made some connections through that job. People know who you are. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken your phone call. Uh, but how did that work? How did that transition go? How, how were you able to convince people in New York, which, as you just said, is a tough, tough, tough market where people have tried to put on festivals before? How do you make that? I mean, what's that 60-second elevator conversation that you were able to, I, you know, I assume they'll pick up the phone because you were with Superfly and they know who you are, but you've still got to convince, you know, uh, I don't remember. Who was it you signed first? Uh, so at year one, the first act that we locked was Pretty Lights. Yeah. And my company is myself and my business partner, Jordan. Now, Jordan is the talent buyer, and I oversee production operations and, and you know everything else. So Jordan, prior to starting Founders, he worked at Paradigm, um, which is now called Wasserman, and he uh, worked at ICM. So he had name recognition in his side of the industry with agents. Um, and he knew who the people were to call for certain acts. So when he was picking up the phone and calling people, they they took the call because they knew him, right? They, they'd, they'd gotten to know him over the, the previous few years. And when the folks asked, you know, well, who's doing production? Who's doing operations? Oh, Tom, who was with Superfly, doing Bonnaroo, Outside Lands, et cetera. So that gave them the comfort, the familiarity of, um, if not just our names, the the places that we were working. And at the time, there was nothing else out there quite like it. And look, I, I definitely leveraged my experience in Superfly and Bonnaroo and Outside Lands and others to, to convince the people in the city of New York to give us a permit in year one and also in year two because we moved venues. Um, and, you know, over time, you just build up those relationships directly with folks and um, and it just it comes together. But at the start, it's all about leveraging the relationships and reputations that you have uh, to get whatever you can. Um, How hard was that or was it was it not? I mean, because going back to what you just said, I mean, you're calling pretty lights and you're trying to convince them to to not only agree. And then once you get one, hopefully you get two and you know, maybe through your relationship with their management, maybe they offer two, three, four more people, right? I mean, I get how that kind of works, but you've got to sort of get them to say, okay, we'll give you this date uh, and we'll not do these other dates in the area, right? I mean, so it's it's a domino complicated type of thing, right? I mean, um, super complicated. It's um, It's a real challenge. And those first few years, it was super hard to convince people to give us the look, right? Yeah, to that's what I'm asking. To convince them why they should play GovBall over Terminal 5 or over Central Park Summer Stage. Um, you know, in a few cases, we had to pay more money to get them. Um, in other cases, it was just the uniqueness of the play. Because mm. at that time, there was nothing else quite like this in the market. And we were really, at least the first two years, we were capitalizing on indie electronic music. Because there was a little bit of a void with, with electronic music, where you had uh, the kind of hardcore electronic music that was covered by EDC New York and clubs like Pasha and others. But for folks that liked the LCD sound systems of the world, the Ratatats, the Pretty Lights, the Girl Talks, the kind of fun party electronic music, as I call it, um, 
in hip hop, there was nothing out there, nothing else out there quite like it. So uh, it was just the uniqueness and the pitch and um, a lot of perseverance. Was there a, a, a moment, a day, a band, an agent? Was there a tipping point where you, where you were banging your head against the wall and can't get, you know, this or that, and then suddenly you got this and it went that way, or did it all, did it go kind of steadily up the hill? I assume it wasn't a downhill thing ever. Um, was there a moment? Um, you know, I think the, the moment that things really took off was in 2013 when we booked um, Kanye West, really. I mean, that was the first act that we booked in that lineup, and we kind of just threw it out, um, thinking that he would say no, but his camp came back right away and, you know, thought it was super interesting and different and unique. And once we got that one, then we got Kings of Leon. Yeah. Then we got the XX. Then we got Kendrick Lamar. Then we got um, Alt J. Then we got all these other ones. And it just kind of fell. It, it just it just came together. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it just started with that, that massive whale. And then in year two, uh, sorry, in 2014, uh, the second year of our major music festival format, uh, we got Outcast. And, you know, that was the big one where um, that's how we got we got Outcast, and then we booked Vampire Weekend, um, and then we booked The Strokes, who hadn't played the market in so, so long as, you know, New York City idols. Um, so it, uh, it really took off in 2013 with that first big booking of Kanye, and then, um, you know, it's certainly been easier to pitch people just because folks have come to the event, they see what it is, uh, they see how unique it is, because uh, there's really nothing else like that in New York City to this day. Um, for folks to, to play in front of 50,000 people, 50,000 people who love multiple genres and it's a unique outdoor format um, because bands, you know, they come back in town. You can come back every year and play the garden. You can come back every year and play Webster Hall, but to be able to play Govball in the summer, early summer, and then come back in the fall and play an arena or a club, you're just setting yourself up for success because you've gotten new fans from the festival play and you have the buzz from the festival play and that just leads into a, a typically a really really strong on sale for bands in the fall yeah i mean we've talked about it on here there's something different about a band at a festival it can be the same set same band you know they they change some of them change a little bit but maybe not really but there's just something different about a festival right Absolutely. There's um, there's nothing quite like the energy of a festival crowd. There's there's nothing like it, period. Yeah. Um, and to be able to see the different kinds of energy across, you know, different genres at an event and to see people of, uh, you know, from all walks of life come together. It's uh, there's there's nothing quite like it. I think it's a big reason why festivals have been so successful, um, just because it's uh, an energy that cannot be matched. I, I know Brad just got back, and I'll let, let him ask, but I wanted to make sure you just announced uh, another festival you're involved with, Sound on Sound, right? Ooh, ooh, well, hello. Just announced that lineup, what, yesterday? We did. Yeah. Yeah, we announced it on Tuesday. Um, that's an exciting one for us because it's a, a newer one for our portfolio. That one has the Chili Peppers, Alanis Morissette, John Mayer. Trey Anastasio, um, the Chin Blossoms, Lord Lord Huron, Mount Joy, a slew of others. Um, I and mean, that one really you, you, def you definitely have your bookers working in specific areas, that's for sure. Um, uh, I saw this lineup come out, and the first thing that I said, uh, Josh is playing, Cautious Clay's there. 
uh, one of my favorite artists of the last few years. This is a really uh, well, well done lineup. I, uh, I don't know much about Bridgeport, Connecticut. I don't know how to get there, but I am uh, going to get a ride with Evan Bonnaroo so that I can get up to uh, Sound on Sound just so I can see Cautious Clay again. Well, Cautious Clay is amazing, and uh, you know that one was really born out of the pandemic. Because what happened during the pandemic? People left New York City, and they either yeah. went north, yeah. upstate New yeah. York, or they went east and went out to Connecticut. But is that so a camping these... festival, or is that uh, more of a city uh, hotel based? No, no, Sound on Sound is a uh, a non camping festival. Okay, people just come for the day and park, and it's Got really it. servicing the the Fairfield County Westchester area, which just exploded during the pandemic when people moved out there for more space or or other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know there was, look, you have bands that go on tour and they play in New York and Massachusetts. They don't stop at Connecticut, yeah. right? Yet you have yeah. a lot of people that live in Connecticut, right? So we identified a void in the market. Um, and, uh, that was the reason why we launched that one. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, you see a rise of these tertiary market festivals all over the country, whether that's a moon river or a sea here now, or an ocean's calling or what have you. Um, there's just a, there's a demand for these things. Cause there's a lot of people uh, that live around there that, you know, people don't want to travel to the city. If you live in Connecticut to see a show in yeah. Massachusetts, it's, you know, an hour plus, um, you know, why and not the, bring, it, bring the music to them? And, and brass tacks. I mean, I think the, the, the price is competitive and uh, pretty good for the uh, space. I mean, when I think Bridgeport, Connecticut, I'm thinking that you're going to, you know, have a $400 price point, to be honest with you. But the, the fact that a regular GA is uh, 180 bucks is, is, you know, pretty impressive. Um, I, I wanted to, I'm sorry for, we just had a, a catastrophe at the station, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask one thing finally about GovBall because um, being in this world that Barry and I are in, GovBall has always been one of these things that has lived in the ether. I just have never actually gone, and I apologize. I did not go last year. Um, every intention of going this year, no doubt, because, you know, my girl Lizzo is playing, and uh, Rina Sawayama had one of my favorite albums of last year. But when you have as much change and turnover as you did this year from or going into a forever space, what kind of pressure do you put on your people or feel yourself to put a certain lineup out or a certain <coughs> user experience out? Um, I think the pressure's on in terms of the experience, right? Because we are defining the new GovBall experience this year. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, nobody knows what events are like in this park because it just, there has not been a major event in this park before, at least in this format. So we are, are defining it and setting the stage and setting the tone um, on really on day one. So there's a tremendous amount of pressure. Uh, but look, as I said earlier, it's something that we've been looking to do and wanting to do really since we started. And, you know, we're festival nerds too, right? We travel around the country. We still go to outside lands and we go to bourbon and beyond and we go to jazz fest and we see what all of these awesome events can do in these, these great city parks. So to be able to now be in a city park and set that tone um, and show people really what um, what we've been missing for a while is, is super exciting. And uh, the stakes are high for sure um, because, you know, a lot of people, you got to prove it to them right at the start. And if you don't, then you lose them. Um, and we do want more retention. We want people to be coming back more uh, be- and we want the venue to be a real selling point. I, I think that the venue has been a detractor for GovBall. 
know, we've done great business over the years, but that's just with strong lineups um, and big budgets. But to not have a venue, to not have the venue be a selling point like it is for Golden Gate Park and Upland Lands, Grand Park and, and Lollapalooza, um, it's hard. So um, I think to, to be I think I think that all we have ever asked of, of festivals and I think the best ones Barry alluded to it earlier, the best ones not only ask themselves and you said that you guys do this too, ask themselves first, what is the user experience like? And then secondly, uh, how can we get better? And the way that you are um, very self-aware about that, I think it bodes very, very well for, for GovBall. And I'm very excited about not just the lineup that you guys have this year, but I'm 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 really sort of intrigued as to how this uh, comes to be at Flushing Meadows because I love that part of the city. It holds a special place in my heart, and uh, I'm excited for it. So, yeah. uh, congratulations! Well, come I, on uh, out. I, I'm yeah. love to have you. I have I have every intention. Tom, believe yeah, me, Tom, I'm, we, I'm there. We've talked about on this show before. I mean, I'll never forget. Was it whatever five or six years ago? Walking into the Bonnaroo grounds and. Uh, on the Wednesday night, I guess. And, and Brad really, I'm, he got really excited. He's like, look, they put lights in the trees, you know, a little thing like that was such a, um, it was such a great thing. It was cool. You know, just the colored lights up into the trees at night made such a difference. Uh, but we've also talked to, like I, I mentioned Jeff Quay earlier, um, things like, did the phone get answered when I tried to buy a ticket, you know, did it go through or did I have a hassle? You know, it starts then. My user experience starts with that first contact and then it goes all the way through. So it's things like that that, that I think we're talking about. All that makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, absolutely. It does. From, the, from point A to point B and um, we're just excited for, for people to see it and, uh, and honestly to bring some people back. You know, so there's some folks that probably went Last year, the year before, and said, "I don't, I don't want to come back to GovBall. I don't want to be in a parking lot. Yeah. Well, now that we're not there, and you know, we're in the super cool venue, yeah. um, you know, we, we want people to uh, to see it and to uh, to experience it because it, it's truly going to be unlike anything we've we've had and offered before. Um, and look, we the lineup this year really came together nicely because the talent pools uh, it was so great this year and. Um, you know, we, we added a, to the budget to make sure that the talent was really strong to, to show off this, uh, the specialness of this park. Um, and uh, we're just excited to, to be there and, and get people there and um, show them an unforgettable time that just um, is the start of, of many great balls in the park to come. Just, the last thing, because I, I just reminded me, who is actually part of your booking team? Are you, are you in those meetings? Are you, are you making no, those calls? Uh, so, my company is myself and my business partner, Jordan Wallowitz. And Jordan is the, he's the booker. He books, he okay. curates the whole lineup and books everything. Ooh, um, really? He's the, he's the guy that came from ICM and Paradigm um, and has been booking GovBall since its uh, creation. Wow. Okay. There you go. Very, and same for Sound on Sound, too. Same for Sound on Sound. I keep telling him to book less than Jake because that's one of my all-time favorite bands. He keeps ignoring me, but whatever. <laughs> well, we all have Wayne, that band, Wayne, don't we? <laughs> Wayne Newton's on this list for next year, all right? Wayne Newton. Tom, thank you so much for your time. I mean, you've been very gracious, and uh, I can't wait to see how uh, these festivals go for you this year. Congratulations on the new venue. Appreciate it very much. Nice chatting with you guys. Thanks, yeah, Tom. Tom. Thanks for your time. See you, buddy. Yeah, bye. Take care. Bye-bye. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There you go, a wide-ranging conversation with the founder of GovBall and Sound on Sound. The Sound on Sound actually sounds fantastic, Barry. Uh, in Connecticut this year, the uh, lineup is is right, right in the pocket of something that I would imagine on a countryside in Connecticut. <laughs> Why does that sound funny? <laughs> I don't know, it just... If I think about a festival in Connecticut, this is about the kind of, no, a countryside festival in Connecticut. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, maybe countryside's not the word because, you know, it's right there next to the water. Check your nomenclature there. I mean, I think, (laughs) wait a second, hang on a second. You don't think of, like, why, some sort of wide open spaces when you think of Connecticut? I don't know what I think of. Really? I don't know. I think, I think, think like, Rocky Coast... That's all I think of when I think of Connecticut. I think I think of me, myself, and Irene. What? Where was that movie placed? Do you remember, like, me, myself, and Irene, where, like, Jim Carrey, and he's got this house on the yeah, side of the coast, and people. that feels like, that feels, I guess countryside seaside. is not the right word. You're seaside. right, Barry. I'm sorry. Now seaside. Yes, yeah, thank you. That's a much... picture of much, uh, sweaters and, okay. you know, khaki pants. Get it. Exactly, yeah, like a sweater vest. And the red hot chili peppers. <laughs> and John Barron. Sure, <laughs> wearing nothing but a sweater vest. <laughs> it's a good uh-huh. I would go. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about GovBall, too. Uh, the space that they've chosen, and I said it in, in the chat with Tom, but uh, just south of Queen, or just south of City Field, uh, where the um, world champion New York Mets for 2023 play, uh, they, they're rehabbing that entire area. So in a couple of years, Steve Cohen's going to make that into a major, major, um, uh, part of the city that, uh, if, if city, if GovBall can stay there for a while, they're going to be in a really, really good spot. Uh, so there you go. Anything else? Uh, had more Russ, 423-667-7877, your, uh, Bonnaroo memories, thoughts, feelings, uh, anything you want to share on the voicemail line, it could mean Bonnaroo tickets for you with the uh, camping pass. We need to make pass. sure you guys can go to consequence.net, and listen, or just consequence, right, and listen to this, listen to our podcast, and also... Well, if they're already listening, well, they probably already have gotten it. Everywhere, but we need to, we need to make sure and mention okay. those guys because they've been so good to us. And also, please subscribe and do all that other stuff. Oh, it yeah, yeah. Help. It really does help. We don't really ever talk about the liking yeah, and helps. subscribing, and do we? It doesn't we? cost you anything, so it helps us. Uh, may I say one thing about Consequence that um, I read this morning? Uh, this is it's on the weekend, so it, it if you're listening to this uh, later in the week, I apologize. But 
They did a great write-up of the new De- or the Depeche Mode show. So Depeche Mode hasn't done a show since 2018. It's the first one they've done without Andy Fletcher. And they did an entire front-to-back uh, review on the two hours of the first show at Sacramento. And I thought The Consequence people did a fantastic job with that article. Um, mainly because I think I'm so enamored with going to a Depeche Mode show uh, on this tour. Uh, but... Either way, that was a really, really good job. Check out that article if you can on Consequence. All right, anything else before we go? Is that it, Russ? I think we covered everything. I think we, we hit all the highlights. Um, faxing. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Hot, hot, noms. hot noms. Yeah. Send us your noms. Hot noms, yeah. Hot dashboard noms. Fans out there, send us your noms. And, uh, yeah, call, the, call right. the number, leave us a voicemail, and if we like your story, you might get picked to win some tickets. And, uh, what, yeah, what tickets are we giving away? It's uh, GA, right? Or, well. Tickets to Bonnaroo. Oh, Bonnaroo, yeah. okay, yeah. Uh, with to Bonnaroo, yeah. Uh, no, it's GA tickets and then um, just a general uh, camping pass. Uh, but I think I, the reviews are in. I just got this uh, text message from Parker and Ham, too. Uh, this episode was <laughs> mid. <laughs> Going to Google. Yeah. Next week, Google. next yeah. week, right. and Barry learns what mid yeah. means. Uh-huh. He'll be showing up just yeah. as a midriff. Showing up the midriff. He thinks that's what it is. So All right, guys. Hey, we made it. We did it. <laughs> it will. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Love you. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.